Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from his palatial two-bedroom apartment in Chicago is Dan Schiffmacher. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. It is palatial, but it's also packed. Uh, you know, palatial and packed, that's not, those aren't exclusive. You, okay. you can have a packed palatial apartment, I believe. Well, this is a packed palatial apartment. Plenty of people presiding in the packed palatial uh, presidium of this apartment. That's that's the max alliteration you're gonna get. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's so all sorry. right. Hey, we we did. It was a good bit. Thank you. Thank One you. of so many. Yeah, many more to come. <laughs> so Dan, uh, wanted to have you on. You know, this is not necessarily the final time you'll be on, but maybe the final time you'll be on live. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we can definitely work something out via Discord. But you are you are heading out of Chicago. You are headed to I'm the Great East of New England. I'm going to New Hampshire. Uh, just because, you know, comedy. Um, well, I, you know, I joke about that, but Adam Sandler and Seth Meyers, they are from New Hampshire. Really? Yeah, they're from Manchester. And um, they, uh, oh, and Conan is also, uh, I think Conan is from New Hampshire. Or if not, he's from New England. Anyway, a lot more people you think that are from over there. But girlfriend got a great job, opportunity that couldn't pass up. So she's there now, and I am, as you can see, packing things up and... Headed out east to see what the coast, East Coast life is like. I mean, I live, we're both from Buffalo. so Yeah, like, I think not a lot of people realize that Buffalo, it's western New York. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty far away from New York City. It's not like we know where the Atlantic Ocean is. Right, and that's, well, that's the thing, too, is I've never really been around oceans. It's, it's 40, 50 miles less distance-wise to Buffalo than Chicago is. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's like almost the same huh. amount of time to drive there. Like we're literally, uh, it's like right on the, like it's an hour north of Boston where we're moving. And it's, um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and see how things develop there. And I'll be, I mean, I still have a job here, so I'll be working remotely and visiting every now and then. So maybe I can jump in for a game night or an episode or something. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be bad living in New England as a Buffalo Bills fan. I cannot imagine what it's like. I feel deep regret for you. Yeah. Well, you're going to PAX soon, are you? So. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we can uh, see each other at PAX. I know you're going to be... It's a little dicey for you because you it just is. moved. At least this area. year. If I, do, if I can go, I, mean, I might try to go like the last day, it, but I might just be still unpacking everything. So Sorry. definitely next year I'll, I'll go, but don't know about this year. All right. Well, in the meantime, let's send you off in style because Dan... We gotta do some screen watching. All right, let's do it. I was outside watching some dear frolic. You don't even care about the outside, do you? So for this episode of screen watching, we are looking at The Sopranos. Episode number four, season number one, title, The Meadowlands. I was gonna say The Meadowlands, but just... Meadowlands. Meadowlands, okay. Yeah. So, Dan, I don't think either of us have watched a single episode of The Sopranos before seeing this clip. Nope. I had seen the ending clip because at the time it was very controversial online, the, yeah. the ending to The Sopranos. Uh, I think we can just talk about it here because it's been like five years or whatever. So, yeah. like, so like the very ending of The Sopranos is, uh, 
I have no context for this either. For sure. Yeah. It, it's just so it's, the family. We can't, we can't possibly spoil this. Like as far as like. We could spoil the literal last scene. But we yeah. can't like provide any of the lead up context to it. Yeah. The one guy is eating with the other guy. Yeah. It's like the family, right? The yeah. family is eating in a restaurant and then it just fades to black. Yeah. And people were very unhappy. They didn't feel like that provided proper closure, I think, yeah. for the series. But this particular clip uh, was uh, them playing some Mario Kart. That's right. It's a pretty short clip. It's like a 90-second scene. It's got uh, Tony Soprano, the the patriarch of the family, the main character, played by James Gandolfini. And he comes home from work, and his kid, uh, Tony Soprano, or Anthony Soprano Jr., mm. played by Robert Robert mm. Ehler. Hey, if you're listening. Yeah, Robert. you're like 20 now, right? Probably. Probably. It's probably closer to 20 than you'd think. Yeah. I mean, it was an old clip. Like, I think there's like some curve where it's like, Kids have to be older than their age when they're really small, and then they want you to be younger than your age when you, as you get older. Mm. So, like a a seventy year old character should be like fifty, mm-hmm. a fifty year old actor, and then like a three year old kid should be like seven or something like that. Yeah, it, it's yeah. this feels like a John. You know, I feel like I could workshop this into a John Mulaney bit. Maybe you seen write, John Mulaney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write that down. Maybe you, you gotta can. get kids that are like seven to be three-year-olds then you gotta have 50-year-olds playing 70-year-olds it's all messed up no one plays their own age it's confusing it's a good good job was that, was that yeah, reasonably good, good yeah. john mulaney yeah i, I don't know i don't see a good. lot of john mulaney impressions so i can't i don't have any basis of what but but you know <laughs> not bad but yeah uh, they come in the room and the kid tony jr is playing mario kart 64 and so uh tony senior sits down to play with him and uh, it, like it's like the typical person who you know has not played a lot of video games. Where it's ah, what's going on here? What? Who am I? And like I think all, fittingly, he is Wario. Wario is a bad influence on the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. So is Tony Soprano. I, yeah, I that's I thought that was interesting, but also like I feel like you know they had footage of the game. You know, it wasn't like they were trying to hide it. Uh, but just like, I always like to see how everything like TV shows and stuff treat video games in their, like how realistic it is. You know what I mean? Like they're, he's playing, the son's playing by himself a a match or whatever. And then the dad just comes in and wants to play. So his son just kind of like hits the reset button on the N64 and all of a sudden they're in a two player game. Like what? (laughs) It's and he's play- you'll you know you saw of course the biggest sin of this little scene right uh, how he held the controller yes look there are a lot of different ways to hold an N64 controller you know you hear about like oh people hold it from the two middle angles and then they like stretch their thumbs over to hold the analog he was Tony Soprano was holding it with one hand <laughs> it didn't look like he was trying he was just kind of one hand he's like this thing's not what is this doing he's just trying to drive that way and i'm like what this is so i mean at least have the you know like that's such a weird i don't know he, um i know i get this the scene was about the relationship between the two of them but like that part was really interesting to me so i did read a little bit about like the context for this episode basically up until this point the son thinks tony soprano is like like a garbage man uh. and we all i mean the viewer knows he's a mobster but the son doesn't know that and it's like through this episode that the son is realizing his dad is like actually a criminal mm. and like how he reacts to that, how it makes him feel. And he's kind of into it. Huh. Huh. 
That what is that what like the little smile at the end was? Yes. Yeah, so like at the very end of the episode, like he's like, "Oh, my dad, he's a mobster." Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um when was it? I mean, Mario Kart 64 was I guess, I mean, Mario Kart for some reason has as in general proved the test of time as far as like most sales and everything like that like mario kart 8 came out for the wii u and then they were like yeah we'll release it again on the switch yeah we'll add some stuff and it outsold the one in the wii u and it did like people just love mario kart and they really do it's like the thing that i it's one of the games that's like the most and i use this word uh without too much i i it's the most casual game one of the most casual games out there everyone yeah. i think it's like madden call of duty I think people are maybe more familiar with like Mario Kart than like just like a Mario Brothers game sometimes. Maybe, yeah. I it's um yeah, it's interesting because I, I yeah, there's so such reverence to that series. It's it's a simple kart racing game. Other people have tried to do that. Crash Team Racing, Sonic. They got a remake thing. of Crash Team coming out uh, this year actually, they, so they do, yeah. I'm it's be interesting. I didn't hate that game. <laughs> like I thought that was okay, but uh, you know their big things were F Zero and Mario Kart, and Mario Kart just like surpassed. I just want to uh, drop in here that that Sopranos episode aired January thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, Mario Kart sixty four released in North America February tenth, nineteen ninety seven. Okay, so it would be reasonable for a kid to have like Mario Kart, and they you know had it for a couple of years at that point. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, I think there's really not a whole lot to the scene. It's Tony Soprano sitting down and like playing Mario Kart with his kids. So let's uh, let's get to the rating, Dan. Uh, as always, we're gonna rate this seg- the scene on uh, three different criteria. Those are accuracy, condescension, and entertainment. And as always, we're gonna go on a scale of six to ten with like uh, any video game. Although I did actually see a game had a 39 rating on Metacritic recently. Wow. Yeah. Out of 100. Out of 100, that yeah. was Left Alive for the PlayStation 4. Mm. Yeah. Left Alive was Left for Dead. If it was Left for Dead, it would actually be a much better game. Oh, I think. I see if they just put yeah. Left for Dead out on the PS4, I think people would like that. For sure. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's an Xbox exclusive, right? Uh, I don't know if Left 4 Dead came out on the PS3 like three or whatever. It definitely came out on 360. Yeah. So, uh, first off, for accuracy, 6 out of 10. Dan, 6 meaning completely inaccurate. 10 meaning extremely accurate. How would you rate this scene? Uh, from the video game perspective, right? Yes. Yeah, I would say give it a 7. It was accurate that they were playing a video game, but it seemed like how the, the mechanics of it were wrong. Resetting the N64, just again, your two-player game, uh, and then how he was holding the controller. Yeah, I, I can't really deviate here. I got to go with a seven. I mean, it's to their credit, they used an authentic game and like an authentic game that a kid would play. But the yeah. controller and the reset, that's galling. It is insulting. <laughs> As a gamer, I'm insulted. There aren't a lot of insulted gamers out there. So very voice few, will be heard. Yes, very few gamers complain. So I think we got some elbow room here. And then uh, next up, Dan is uh, condescension. So if you feel this was condescending, extremely condescending, give it a 10. If you don't think it was condescending at all towards gaming, give it a six. No, I think it was a six. I don't think it was at all. I didn't appear to me that way. I think that, yeah, they were just, it was part of the scene, but it wasn't like they weren't trying to make fun of anything. It was just plain Mario Kart. 
I'm gonna, all right. I'm going to go with an eight. I just feel like uh, Tony's character was just like, ah, what, what is this? I don't understand what these things are. Oh, uh, okay. We I chased see. The, yeah. We whacked a stick and the wheel ran, rolled down the street. Uh, so, you know, uh, but I, th- I, th- I see where you're getting. So I'm only going to go with an eight on okay. this. And then uh, lastly, entertainment. Were you entertained by this little snippet of a Sopranos episode? If you were extremely entertained, give it a 10. If you weren't entertained at all, give it a six. Yeah, I was, I'd give that an eight. I was moderately entertained. Like it wasn't, it wasn't one way or another for me, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I would have to go with, uh, I'll go a seven. Like it wasn't bad. It's just, it's, uh, you know, a very small slice of an episode. It did for make sure. me want to see more oh, yeah, of the Sopranos, okay. but, uh, you know. Yeah. I, you know, do you think that like a family like the Sopranos, would be playing anything else except for Mario, like very Italian. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I didn't even caricature think about of that, yeah. a Mario character. So yeah. he's just, you know, Italian. So see, that would have been. Oh, if they 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 should have commented on that. It's yeah. like Mario. What what's why is he, why is he like that? What's what's that about? I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that shows up in any other more episodes. Bring like, me Charles Martinet. I'm gonna break his kneecap. <laughs> really really spreading a negative stereotype yeah well i mean this was the sopranos kind of was wasn't it actually I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah fair fair play uh so dan i think that brings our uh segment of uh screen watching to a close when we come back we will be here with our gaming interview for this week And we are back from break. Joining me on the line here, uh, this palatial VoIP line, is Derek Fields. Derek is the lead designer and artist over at Waking Oni Studio. His game, uh, Onsen Master, I just got the privilege of seeing over at Bitbash recently. So thank you very much for that, Derek, and thank you very much for your time. Yeah, happy to be here. So just, uh, I think it's a little better uh, for the listener for them to hear it from you rather than to hear it from me. Could you give like a brief elevator pitch for how the game operates? Uh, so Onsen Master is a bathhouse customer strategy game about healing. Uh, in it, you are tasked with creating ingredients that match the color of your customer's ailment. With regards to Japanese culture, how early in your life did you start uh, noticing that? And uh, like, what were your biggest inspirations? Oh, so, um, so I was born in the late 80s. And with that, uh, sets me right at uh, that that tsunami era of kids racing home from school to watch their cartoons after homework and and things of that sort. Uh, prior to that, I was always into cartoons and you know Marvel and DC and comic books and action figures and everything. And so uh, once tsunami showed around, I, I think it was in like I I had to have been like fourth or fifth grade. Uh, Things like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon and uh, Tenchi Muyo, the list goes on as far as their, their, those, that primetime line of shows that they had right after school. Uh, I, was, I was hooked. I was hooked on uh, everything that came with the show. And at that time, I had no idea that it was uh, sourced from Japan. I had no idea that it, it, it you know, was referred to as anime or, or anything like that. And... Um, and, you know, nowadays I, I can share these sort of nostalgic memories with other individuals who or organically found out about Dragon Ball Z and then their 
going to the mall and you're at, uh, you know, whatever local video or music store like FYE or Suncoast and you discover that Dragon Ball Z and all these other shows are available in VHS for you to buy. And like each VHS is like $60 yeah, and so on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They're incredibly, incredibly high priced. But um, those experiences and, and those memories, the list goes on. I could talk endlessly about it, but um, it went from enjoying it to wanting to create original content of it, you know, so now you're, or, or now I'm drawing my own original Dragon Ball Z characters and Sailor Moon characters and so on. And um, those experiences continued and, and continued to, um, I continued to allow that to integrate itself within my life and, and, and the type of entertainment that I seek. And with that comes, you know, friends and conventions and cosplay and, and so on and so on. Um, as an adult, I uh, decided to go into 3D modeling. I wanted to get into uh, gaming as a career because it's another passion of mine, uh, playing RPGs and things like that. And so um, really, you know, Onsen Master is kind of like that first uh, distillment of all of those passions. And what uh, led you to making a game about the uh, onsen slash bath aspect of Japanese culture? This is kind of like my favorite part to explain. But yeah, Onsen Master is... Uh, it sort of started as a joke and came from the idea of wanting to create a bathhouse game where you originally had to uh, take in customers and, and take in like the Yakuza and things like that because there is a, a sort of a culture in Japan of the Yakuza not being allowed in bathhouses and that was going to be the initial mechanic for the gameplay, allowing customers in and then if the Yakuza were to show up to be like, oh no. Um, because of the cultural standings that the Yakuza have. I definitely wanted to make sure that this game uh, wouldn't uh, come off as inappropriate or uh, culturally abrasive in any way. And uh, some other influences, outside influences, such as Spirited Away and uh, anime in general, and then my own experiences with Onsen uh, begin to form and mold the game into what it's become now, which is uh, a sort of family-friendly addressing of uh, a, a bathhouse cleaning mechanic and, and taking on various customers. So you said your own onsen experience. So you've visited like an authentic Japanese onsen in the past. Yes, that's correct. So in, uh, I think it was two, three years ago, I went to Japan and we, we went all over the country and I, we got to go to Kinosaki Onsen, which is uh, in sort of like the northwestern part of Japan. And it's it's nothing but a bathhouse town. So Getting there, uh, you you have an opportunity of getting to experience multiple bathhouses, and I I, I don't know, it, it was amazing. <laughs> I would encourage anybody to, if they're ever in Japan, to definitely go to an onsen if they have the time to to take that experience. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've now now when I did see the demo at Bitbash, what I think I saw was a kind of like a vertical slice of the game, just like the sort of the customers coming in, mixing up the items and making sure all the baths were clean and properly uh, fitted with the correct uh, fragrances. Right, right. Or, so do, uh, how do you imagine the game expanding uh, in the future in addition to those features? Yeah, so our main intention uh, as we build out on semester towards our Kickstarter and what we want to show to people uh, once we get into like that crowdfunding phase, 
uh, we definitely want to play in really hard on the the, the concept of, of moving around and interacting with your customers and interacting with the bathhouse. And so our primary intention is to get players acclimated to that, that base gameplay of, okay, I'm addressing customers and I'm, I'm putting them in baths and this is a pretty easy approach. And then uh, kind of throw that sideways by introducing variant customers. You might have customers who uh, might move slower or might be a little bit more impatient, or might be a little bit more unruly, uh, and it might force the player to make uh, new decisions rather than just helping customers in the queue that they show up, for example. Uh, another example uh, or another addition that we would like to put into the game, uh, and this comes heavily influenced by uh, Japanese culture and, and spirited away and, and the, the idea of uh, all those Japanese spirits that were entering the bathhouse, if you're familiar with that movie. Um, but we want to add in yokai uh, or Japanese spirits. And the yokai will introduce like very wild, very topsy-turvy mechanics like, uh, say, a Japanese demon that is spilling water all over your onsen. And then you have to go back and forth and clean that and, as well as manage your customers, as well as manage the, the variant customers or, or variations to the design of the level. Technically speaking, right now, the game is considered an alpha. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. It's sort of our alpha prototype right now. Considering it's an alpha, and I think... Most gamers these days are familiar with like what a, a beta might be because so many companies, you know, put out like beta access on their titles. Can you tell me some of the differences between an alpha and a beta? Yeah. So it, at least for us, and, and, you know, that might be a little bit different for uh, other companies, but we consider our alpha phase really a an exploration of those primary mechanics. And so just as you said earlier, a, a vertical slice is probably... Uh, the best sort of nomenclature for it at this time. But as we move forward and, and try to test and add in more mechanics and get other people's feedback on, on what uh, they think towards how they function and, and if those things are enjoyable, uh, once we have all of those things in place, all those mechanics that we want in place, I think then would be a safe time for us to consider it more of a, a beta or a demo uh, rather than what it is right now in its alpha state. I think for the first few minutes here, we've been talking about how you are designing the game. I'd like to know a little bit also about how you are uh, composing the game visually as, as the artist. Now, uh, there is a main character. I believe his name is Moo. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you envision Moo like as a, as a character uh, in the story of this game? As it stands, uh, Moo is our, our main protagonist, uh, though uh, ideally I would like the player to be able to uh, choose, you know, a, sort of a, a range of protagonists that that will act in the same role as Moo for the story, but for the purposes of the demo and the prototype, that was the, the first protagonist that we made, the first uh, character that I designed, and so uh, we were just kind of rolling with them until things build out further. Uh, but getting into the design of, of Moo and getting into the design of the other characters, uh, it has really become a, a culmination of just all of those sort of anime influences, uh, Japanese cultural influences, and and distilling those down into something that uh, looked really fun and looked really cool. And so uh, Mu has gone through a few iterations in his design and, and how they look. Uh, if, if I were to compare their artwork now uh, back to when I originally created them, it's, it's like two totally different characters and you know I, I even grew as an artist during that time period and so yeah the 
original design of Moo. I, 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 I try to hide those. <laughs> so, um, I, but we'll, you know, we'll include those into the design process to kind of show the evolution of the game and, and things like that. Now he's pretty popular as a guest character in other independent games I've seen. Will Shovel Knight be making an appearance in Onsen Master? <laughs> that would be really cool. While working on things so far, um, I, I have, you know, I, I guess kind of digitally bumped shoulders with other developers who are creating uh, fun and, and culturally inspired games or, or other games that uh, kind of chime off of uh, similar gameplay mechanics as to Onsen Master, you know, managing customers or, or managing some sort of environment. And we've only just mingled at the idea of, of you know, cross-featuring uh, other players as customers into the game. Um, I've not bumped shoulders with the, the Shovel Knight uh, team or the developers, though uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there there's a bit of, of cross-reference uh, as, as far as that goes, and that will be featured into the game. Some other um, inspirational characters that have uh, that will be making their way into the Onsen. That would be fun to see. Yeah, I look forward to seeing who those other characters might be. With... Uh... With this team, uh, so you go as Waking Oni on uh, Twitter, uh, but the, this is the name of the team, Waking Oni uh, Studio. Yeah, so it's it's sort of both. Um, I conduct myself primarily as a as an illustrator online, and so that is the alias that I go by, and uh, that is also the name of the the studio uh, because it's a, a collaborative project between myself and the two other team members, and so um, it. I guess it just seemed fitting at the time, you know, and instead of creating something wholly new, since it, it still remains indicative primarily of uh, the the designs that are um, from me and the co-designer at play. And, and then, you know, my artwork being so uh, heavily uh, integrated into, uh, you know, the 3D models and the, the character assets and things like that. So th- those things are synonymous for me. Yeah, that, that makes total sense on, on this end. I just... Uh... I guess I was hoping to learn a little bit more about the team because it is a team of three. Uh, so there is uh, Tim Robinson and Leo Riverin. And I was hoping you could maybe just mention like what their roles are on the project. Tim is the project manager and co-designer to Own Semester. Um, and uh, without him, I, <laughs> I would be uh, rather frazzled and, and trying to boil down so many tasks into uh how i'm going to manage my time with all of them and so the yeah he, he's he's really you know like the 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 bones to um all of the the design and at play and we really bounce back and forth off of each other with uh mechanic ideas and and fun ideas that we think would really hype up the gameplay um leo is the the muscle to everything that that is within onsen master without him the game wouldn't function uh you know he sews together all of the 3d assets and the and the artwork uh you know while i have a a bit of familiarity with unity and i'm continuing to try and uh, learn its process to to not task him with so many things uh yeah really he's he's the backbone to all of those designs and all of those mechanics at play we have the team of three that is waking oni but you are part of another team of three of sorts uh, in, in your own uh, personal life. You, you are both married and, and you have a son. And I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's been busy. And um, 
managing all of those things together has been uh it's it's had it's it's had its ups and downs as far as time management and and navigating how to uh, conduct myself as an artist and and game designer while making sure that my my family still knows that i exist and that i i give them the the time that they equally deserve and so because of that uh on semester has been a a slow development process um you know, back when we initiated the project, each of us had uh, full-time jobs and were only able to commit to own semester part-time. And so it, it created some longevity in bringing the project to the the point that it is at now. Unfortunately, at the end of September last year, I was, I was laid off, but it, it worked out in such a way that I was able to um, commit uh, a lot more time to own semester and, and really um, muscle ourselves through to getting the type of build that we have now. Uh, and so that's where probably the most learned lesson of managing my time with the game and managing my time with family and, uh, freelance work and everything in between to make sure that everything is sustainable, uh, became uh, very challenging, but we came out ahead and I, I, I managed to, you know, figure that all out. Does your son provide any feedback on the game builds as he sees them? <laughs> uh, absolutely. They're, they're actually my, my first, you know, sort of, uh, hurdle in, in testing and making sure that the core mechanics that are there are still enjoyable and still, um, entertaining visually. Um, my wife is, uh, not inherently a, a gamer. And so it, it really, uh, sets, it, it sets me up for a, a good, uh, test platform for somebody who isn't familiar ga- with games at all is this you know is onsen master communicating itself correctly to this individual um and for uh, my son liam you know is this game hitting that mark of being family friendly and enjoyable for somebody who is at his age he's um 10 going on 11 i in in a certain way had a similar experience because uh when i was viewing this game at bitbash it was a pretty crowded event Uh, it was over at emporium and i was kind of just left to my own devices with the game and so i had i mean i there was the how to play involved in the uh, menus of course but then like after that just like figuring out how things would interact in real time i I had to do that all on my own and uh it turned out that i was able to pick it up pretty quickly like i the first uh two minute playthrough i was like kind of feeling things out but after that i was just like off and rolling that's really great to hear and like really reassuring. I so I had an opportunity to um, sit in and I, I made it to Bitbash a little late on Thursday and there wasn't a lot of activity. I, I you know heard in, in hindsight that everybody really made it in on Wednesday and so um, I was sad I got to miss that part. But I I did I showed up on Thursday and I showed up on Friday and, and each of those times I was sort of orbiting the own some master uh, screen that was that was up on display and, and seeing people interact with it and watching people um, you know sort of gravitate towards it if they saw the the game menu on on pause or anything like that and it was a really interesting experience to to see kind of both sides of it the people that would confidently dive in and and go ah, you know I'm just gonna play it I'm gonna see what happens and see if they could successfully interpret it. And then the the ones that you know are pausing the game and checking out the instructions or going through the tutorial phase and and 
then seeing how they've interpreted the, the instructions. And so um, I see both sides I, and, and it, it helps provide like really great critical feedback for, you know, is our game, uh, you know, even still, is our game approachable enough? And is it, is it doing the job of, of conveying the fun mechanics that, that are at work? That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that people were, were grokking it pretty well at BitBash. I, I think the thing with Wednesday was there was a, a train jam that yeah. was also doing like a meetup there at the same time. The train jam was probably uh, what I was definitely most excited to to see if I could get a chance to make it out and, and see who was around. So um, yeah, that evening definitely had uh, probably the most uh, indie devs and, and developers making their way out to a game developers conference and so if there was any critical feedback that i would have wanted to organically hear it probably would have been then so derek i i do like to ask a couple you know lighter lighter hearted questions at the end of the interview just to to get kind of a sense of the personality of of you of, of the designer uh yeah. so first of all if you could vacation with any person living or dead to an onsen in japan uh setting aside that you have already had this opportunity if you had a new opportunity uh yeah. who, who would you take Ooh, <laughs> this is tough um i i would go to an onsen with tezuka osamu uh he's the creator of astro boy and the white lion and and sort of the the walt disney of anime the you know the, the father of all of that in japan so to have an opportunity to do that and uh, visually you know, share space and share creative space with them would, would be the dream. Uh, oh, and we, we have the same birthday. So oh, <laughs> that really? would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. What a coincidence. Yeah. And then lastly, this is a question I ask of everyone who's a guest on the podcast. Uh, I feel like there's a, a common uh, shared consciousness for Pokemon that everyone has some connection, whether it was with the Game Boy games or Pokemon Go or something in the middle there. So for you, I need to ask, if there was one Pokemon that you could own as a pet, one Pokemon that you could be, and one Pokemon that you could eat, what would those three be? Oh, wow. So th three different ones? Um, if you did find an answer that you would want to use for both, I would accept that. Okay, okay. So pet and or be would be Haunter, uh, definitely, uh, for whatever reason. Be between Ghastly Hunter and Gengar, Hunter is my favorite. Uh, Pokemon that I would eat, I've ne <laughs> I've never considered this before, so I have to think about. Which and if Pokemon you have an ethical objection to the consumption of meat of any kind, then I totally uh, accept that. We can we can pass on that. Fair, fair. I I think not not on the sense of um, you know being uh, vegetarian or pescatarian or any sort of dietary restrictions, but more I. I think Pokemon are too sentient for me to want to to eat, and so um, I will settle for uh, I'll settle for licking a a Mister Mime. I feel like Mister Mime <laughs> probably tastes like cotton candy or bubble gum or something. <laughs> I'm sure they'll find that really uncomfortable, and I'll apologize after. <laughs> And they'll say Mr. Mime, and maybe they'll lick you back. I mean, that seems like in <laughs> character for a Mr. Mime. I agree. Yeah, I think that that would probably go down that way. Well, that's awesome. That, that That's a great compromise. I'll, I'll offer that as an alternative in the future for people if they don't wish to eat a Pokemon. 
So then, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Derek, for your time here. Thank you for answering my battery of questions. Uh, if you want people to find you online, where can they find you? Where can they get updates on Onsen Master? Yeah, uh, so the best place to find out more about Onsen Master is at Onsen Master Game, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And then if you want to see uh, more of my artwork alone, uh, as well as uh, a bit of including some of the works for Onsen Master, uh, that's just at Waking Oni on Instagram and Twitter and, and all of those social media platforms. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, happy to be here. back from break uh, dan before we call this episode to a close there is uh one last thing we need to handle here it is the uh perhaps our final bill's magic minute and uh, just before we get into that though i do want to mention that if you are interested in hearing more than a minute of magic the gathering discussion i have another podcast that i'm putting out currently it's a limited run series called a year in 20 life where i talk about my experiences playing tournament magic over the past basically 20 years and then just like some stuff about my general life and questions about magic so if you're looking for that it's a year in 20 life that's on uh spreaker itunes all the regular podcast feeders cool you ready to do this uh yeah so dan we're gonna have 32 seconds here for me to talk about the omniscience draft format on mtg arena plus other unique draft formats all right you ready i'm ready and go I really enjoy the omniscience draft format that appears on MTG Arena. I'm liking that they have adopted the tavern brawl style of having unique formats rotate in every week. It does help balance out the fact that MTG Arena does not have as many cards and as large of a card pool as Magic the Gathering Online did. I am still hoping that they're going to find ways to make Cube Draft a possibility on MTG Arena. It seems like there is a place for it, but we just need to get more cards into the environment before it would be like an entertaining and adventure. Okay. So, uh, Dan, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, if you want people to find you, if you have any projects you'd like to plug, find where can me, they find you? Find me in New Hampshire. I'll just be roaming the streets of New Hampshire, the cobblestone roads. Uh, yelling about the British. No. Um, yeah, I would say check out... Uh, there's a show that I'm working on. It's already done in production called Weird Booze Weekend Chicago. Um, check that out. Go to the Facebook page. Um, we have a YouTube page as well. There's some teasers and trailers up there now. Uh, I was going to edit it, all the stuff this month, but because I'm moving, I just pushed yeah. everything back. So Fair. hoping to have it released uh, in, the, in spring, so at some point this year. Um, because when I get there, I'll just be kind of organizing and editing it all. So, um, I would say that's my, that's my project on a plug. Weird booze weekend, Chicago. Maybe there's one more project just down the line, but one more project where I might've been a guest on it. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, I have also a podcast called talking wild. Um, so make sure to follow that podcast as well. Um, I have a bunch of episodes and at some point I'm going to make an exciting turn to a different subject topic. And Bill was a guest on, I've banked a bunch of these episodes already. Awesome. Uh, and it's ridiculous <laughs> and it's fun, but it's a cool new turn for the podcast right now. So it's right now, if you want to find it, it's called talking wild. I talk to animals. 
Um, but then it's going to turn into something where I, I can't say. You know, I, you don't want to say. Right, you could say you don't want to. Right. Oh, well, I guess we're ruining, <laughs> ruining endings of uh, TV shows and things. But the shows that already happened. This that's is a show true. that's yet to so be. So something happens and it morphs into a new. Something happens and then it's different. And it morphs into a new thing, but it'll be the same. It'll be the same uh, iTunes thing. So if you go and subscribe to Talking Wild now, you'll be there when the change happens. Ooh, like a werewolf. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Cool. So uh, as for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Spreaker, from SoundCloud, from YouTube. We stream on Spotify, too. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central. Wednesdays for Magic the Gathering Online or MTG Arena. Thursdays for a potpourri of different games. Recently, I had an extensive playthrough of Resident Evil 2. Now I'm bouncing around to a few different games. Got maybe another uh, playthrough of a game that I'm working on right now. Just got to get the, the guest... Uh, all situated on that i'll talk about it more when it's ready to roll though in the meantime thank you very much for listening and have a great summer shout out to the ukraine <laughs> <laughs>